Welcome to the Pint Glass Football Podcast. This is Pint Glass Football. We talk NFL and college football. I'm your host, Brad Fowler. Follow us at pintglassfootball.com. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. What's up, PGF Nation? We are back with a shorter episode today. We know the holidays are right around the corner, so we wanted to get this out a little early so you guys can get on with your busy holiday season. So today, we're going to recap some of the big Week 15 games, and then we're going to preview some big Week 16 games with some betting picks as well. Joining me to break it all down, my co-host, Alex Higdon. Alex, what is going on? I don't want to waste any time, Brad. There's an organization out there that I am about to put on the grill. Oh, all right, man. Yeah, we've got some big games. Let's get started here. Monday Night Thriller. This was an instant classic. Eagles, Seahawks. Alex, things are starting to unravel for the Philadelphia Eagles. And look, you could sense that there was a pressure on this team. After those two blowout losses to the 49ers and the Cowboys, this was a spot where you expected a bounce back against a Seahawks team that's been struggling, backup quarterback. This was supposed to be their get-right game. And they responded by blowing a lead in the fourth quarter on Monday Night Football to, quite frankly, a very mediocre Seahawks team with Drew Locke at quarterback. Exciting game. I mean, it kind of there was a little low, perhaps in the middle of the game, but an exciting game, especially once you got to that fourth quarter and how the Seahawks were able to come back. Let's just really give a lot of credit to Drew Locke and the preparation around Pete Carroll and that staff to get Drew Locke ready. Last week, I spoke about him being on script that first drive and looking like they were going to do something, but then they fell off. But I do want to point out. They did get to 100 yards rushing, which is something I kept pointing out, that they have to be able to rush that ball. Kenneth Walker, 19 carries, 86 yards, and a touch. And then we can talk about what happened during that fourth quarter. I know you have some things to talk about, but let me get to the Eagles really quick. I spoke about the Eagles, have spoken about the Eagles all season long, and every single Eagle fan had kept telling me, Wait till we put a, we have not played our full game yet. We have not played a full complete game yet. Well, it's now week 15 going into week 16. There are only two weeks left. I don't think you're going to be able to play this full game that you all are looking for. And as I had stated before, this rushing attack that it was last year is not the same. I understand that Jalen Hurts, there may be a component that he brings that maybe is why it's stalling out a little bit. However, the you are throwing the ball a lot more. And now if I'm not mistaken, I don't have the full numbers in front of me, but I do remember it coming over the broadcast last night with those two interceptions. Jalen Hurts is now the clubhouse leader in quarterback turnovers. That means fumbles given up as well as interceptions because 17 for 31, zero TDs and two interceptions in a putrid 4.6 average per pass. He is now leading the clubhouse and giving and turning over the ball for quarterbacks. Yeah, you're right, Alex. Jalen Hurts, he was dealing with an illness going into this game. There were some question marks whether or not he was going to start, and, and that's tough. And and I understand that. That's a tough situation to play. I got to give him credit for toughing through it and playing. I'm sure he wasn't 100% physically in this game. But the bottom line is he just wasn't very good in this game. With the year winding down, like you said, I think it's safe to say 
that he's taken a big step back this year. From the level that he was playing at last year, he just hasn't been the same guy. 17 for 31, 143 yards, zero touchdowns, two picks. Both of those were on bad, underthrown balls. The first interception was really the most glaring, I think, Alex. Philly had the lead in the final nine minutes. They were driving into Seattle territory, and Hertz throws up a ugly deep ball on first and 10 for a turnover that at that point really changed the game. Now, yes, the last interception he threw was at the end of the game. It's a it's desperation time for them. I can give it a pass to a degree, but here's the thing. Situational football matters because why are you throwing the ball to A.J. Brown deep in that situation with that coverage when you have a safety over the top, a corner underneath, and you only needed 15 yards for a field goal attempt? I, I didn't understand the logic there. I didn't understand why you're trying to force a ball. I know A.J. Brown is a beast. I know he's a big target, and I know he's a great player, and he's a great 50-50 ball guy, but that was a bad decision in a late spot, and he had a lot of bad decisions decisions in this game. I've got real concerns at this point about this Eagles team. You hit it on the head, Alex. This team had kind of been skating by all season, just getting a lot of close wins, a lot of come from behind wins hadn't really looked dominant all year. And, and I'm with you. I was kind of thinking similar to some of those Eagle fans. Like, are they going to turn, are they going to turn it on? Are they going to flip that switch at some point? I think you're right. I think it's pass. And I just don't think this is the same team that we saw last year. I think they've lost too many pieces. The running game isn't the same. Jalen hurts. Isn't the same. The defense isn't the same. Hey, I mean, listen, James Bradbury. I mean, I had never seen so many burnt, toast memes in my life sir get your life together please clearly that a rookie should not have been that wide open on a play like that in a critical game in a critical point in time in the game as well aj brown calm down i'm not sure how much of the truth that rumor is for whatever aj brown i won't bring it up you can go on twitter and see for yourself until i can verify i'm not sure if he said it or not but if you did Sir, calm down. You're just now, for lack of a better, you're just arriving on the scene. You only got here last year when you became a guy. We saw potential, but you became and showed us that you're a guy last year. Calm down. Eagle fans, Eagle coaches, Eagle organization. Let me go to the top because you guys are usually smarter at the top. You basically benched Sean Desai to bring in Matt Patricia. And I don't know if he thought he had Ty Law. and. Uh, Tyrone Poole out there, why he went, <laughs> why he went man coverage on that play. But that was obviously terrible, terrible defensive play calling. I am not sure if it's going to take Bill Belichick being removed from being the Patriots coach. When will people realize that these guys are not good at what they do unless they're within that Patriots system? Not one has had true, true success. Brian Flores didn't get to finish the job. He looked like he was going somewhere. And then say what you want about Bill O'Brien. But the majority of those coaches did not succeed once they de- once they departed from the Patriots. Stop giving them jobs and thinking that they're guys. They're not. Alex, during this Monday Night Football game, I posted on Twitter, at PGF Podcast, are the Eagles still a Super Bowl contender As you probably guessed, a lot of votes on this one. 59% of the votes right now are saying no. 
They are not a Super Bowl contender. 41% are saying yes. Decent amount of people commented. Actually, Brad Thomas from NBC Sports, he's been a guest on the show in the past. He actually made a comment saying a lot of bad teams in the NFL. Yeah, they are still contenders. I thought that was interesting. Had some other comments. One guy said barely. One guy said no hope. One guy said, I'm a 49ers fan, but the Eagles still have a chance. It's starting to become a big question mark, Alex. So what is your thoughts? Let's 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 end it here on this game. Are the Eagles still a Super Bowl contender, or do you have real doubts after this three-game losing streak? I am starting to have a few doubts, more doubts than I had when the 49ers went on their three-game skid because I knew Kyle Shanahan going into the bye was going to fix a lot of things. They have they have New York, Arizona. They have a home and home with New York and Arizona, and then they have Arizona in between. Two things are going to happen. They're going to lose one of those giant games, and that's going to push the Cowboys to win the division like we predicted so we can pat ourselves on the back at the end of the season. I'm not sure which game they'll lose. More than likely, it'll be perhaps the home game, the last game of the season in in the uh, big tuna can and giant stadium. But one of those games they're going to lose. And I think they're going to have a problem. And on top of that, I think Arizona is going to be tough for them because I think Kyler Murray running is going to be an issue for them, especially those linebackers, because Shaq Leonard looked terrible in this game, in his first game in the Eagles uniform, not to say they can't get better, but they did not. He did not look good. Alex, the Buffalo bills are still alive. Almost hard to believe, considering where they were a few weeks ago. They smash the Dallas Cowboys. This was an impressive win. And look, if you would have told me before that game that Josh Allen throws for only 94 yards, I would say, look, the Cowboys killed him, right? But got to give credit to the Bills. They decided that they could push this Cowboys defense around, especially that front seven, and they did. I was really impressed with the trenches more than anything else in this game. The Dallas defense, they got exposed again, Alex. We knew coming into this year that that rush defense was a hole, and it still is. If I'm the Niners watching that game, they have to be thinking there is no way, outside of maybe some key injuries, there's no way that Dallas can stop the Niners if James Cook and the Bills can do that to them. McCaffrey and those guys are going to torch the Cowboys if they meet in the playoffs. You know, two things. To be fair to the Cowboys, I think they were due for a loss. They had been kind of on this huge winning streak. Everything was a big win. I mean, 43 to 20, 49 to 17, 33 to 10, 45 to 10, 41, 35, and then 33 to 13. They were due here for a loss. I wasn't high on this game. I figured the Bills, they're a desperate team. They were going to do some things differently. And again, from a betting standpoint, particularly, I felt that the Cowboys were due for a letdown game. I think the real game is going to be next week when when they're at Miami to really see how they bounce back from something like this. I think this will tell us a lot about Mike, uh, Mike McCarthy and this team bouncing back from a blowout loss like that. And with the, with the opportunity to take the division over and do some things that'll be interesting to see what they do next week. But like you said, right, if they decide to really let James cook <laughs> for lack of to, no pun intended to let James cook cook, perhaps we can see some things now on the flip side of that, how that looks for Stefan Diggs 
and the attitude that he seems to carry when things aren't going his way, win or lose, that will be very interesting to see because Josh Allen was only 7 for 15 for 94 yards and a touch, and Stephon Diggs was 4 for 48. I don't know how happy Mr. Diggs is going to be with an output like that, even in a loss, but it'll be interesting to watch and see on the Dallas side of things. I don't really put too much into it. I know for a lot of people they say this kind of knocked Dak down in terms of the MVP race where he looked like the clubhouse leader and now has boosted Purdy up into the clubhouse. But I think Dak is going to have a bounce back game and will be right back in the mix uh, for this upcoming week. But again, I kind of don't put too much stock in this game for me. I thought the Cowboys were due for a loss, a big loss at that, albeit to the Bills. I mean, the Bills should have been buried three games ago, but it is what it, it is what it is. But I don't really put too much stock in it. I'm not too worried about it. if we were doing a panic meter for the Dallas Cowboys here, I really probably would be five or somewhere between zero and five. But I wouldn't panic too much here if I'm a Cowboys fan or the Cowboys. Yeah, I picked the Bills to win this game. So it wasn't surprising to me that they won at home. Cowboys coming off that big win against the Eagles, an emotional divisional win for them going and playing against a Bills team that's hungry, that's playing in a bit of a desperate situation in a cold, nasty environment, a a harsh environment up there in Buffalo. Didn't shock me that the Bills won. It did shock me the way they won, and it shocked me with just how big of a win this was. I mean, it wasn't even competitive. I expected Dallas to at least compete in this game. I expected it to be a lot closer. Obviously, Vegas did as well. The line was much closer. This was an absolute beatdown. I think for me, that was the most shocking part. Not the loss, just the way it happened. The game when the Bills played the Broncos. In that game, they had success running the football, but they didn't stick with it. In this game, they did. And we saw what that offense can do when they have real balance. Something that we've talked about, Alex, repeatedly on this podcast, is that if this team could just find some balance in the rushing game, they could be dangerous on offense. 49 rushing attempts three rushing touchdowns. Cook ran for 179 yards. This was glaring stuff. I mean, it was really, really impressive what they did on the ground, what that offensive line did, because Cook wasn't even really getting touched until he was at the second level. I mean, they were opening big holes for this guy. He was gashing them with the run. And for the Cowboys, they just continue to struggle on the road. They're just not the same team on the road. And right now, it looks like They're going to have to play on the road at some point in the playoffs. And Alex, I feel like I just keep saying this, but nothing ever changes in Dallas. I don't trust Dak and the Cowboys in big games. And quite frankly, after that Monday night game, that Eagles win is looking less impressive now, now that it feels like the Eagles have really been exposed. And maybe all those close wins and those comeback wins, maybe that Eagles team was trying to tell us something. I said last week, I wasn't buying the Bills after that win versus Kansas City. But this is a team now, they've been playing the last three weeks like their season was on the line because it basically was. And they finally figured out that they got to run the ball. If that clicks, if they finally figured out, look, we have to do this in order for us to get where we want to be, then I think this team actually could be peaking at the right time. Alex, Baltimore Ravens. Huge win here, and I think this game, they really showed this Jaguars team what a real contender looks like. Clutch road win, really impressive on both sides of the ball here for the Baltimore Ravens. 
there's plays throughout that game where Lamar Jackson is standing still waiting for somebody to get open. I'm just so impressed because he's so patient in the pocket now. And then he always seems to make the right play. He had 97 yards rushing and this offense watching what Lamar has been able to do this season, how he's changed and how he's developed as a quarterback. I feel like I say it every week, but this was another prime example what he's been able to do with Todd Munkin as the coordinator, it's really incredible the improvement we've seen from him. He has turned into really the ultimate dual threat quarterback, Alex. Great coach, great defense, great play callers, great quarterback, and he's got the most weapons he's ever had in Baltimore. I, I think this is a dangerous football team right now. I hear everything that you're saying about Lamar, and I can 1,000% agree but yes, you know what? Lamar is looking very confident. He's looking a lot more solid. I can say that he is up a little bit more in terms of his completion percentage. But here's just a little when I'm just looking at last year to this year, right? Currently right now, Lamar is, and this is just stats. I, there's, a, there's a difference between the stats and what we see actually in the physical aspect of the game in terms of watching. But Lamar right now is 17 TDs and seven interceptions in 14 games. Last year, he was 17 TDs and seven interceptions and seven interceptions in 12 games and eight and four at that point during those 12 games. And he's 11 and three right now. And then even if you take a look, as you were talking about with his uh, rushing, he's was 764 in those 12 games. And now he's 741 with five TDs, three TDs last year. So he seems to be statistically on par maybe a little bit behind of his pace from last year, but he is definitely looking like a lot more confident. He's throwing down the field. He's looking and I watch him going as opposed to maybe one, two, and then maybe dumping down. I'm watching him go one, two, three, and sometimes back to one. If he can trust that it's usually a uh, Bateman or Odell. That's usually that one that he's circling back to. If he feels comfortable going back during that point in time, I can say the addition and, and implementation of Isaiah Likely, who was a person that was talked about two years ago when he was first drafted as a, as a emerging guy on this team. And he seems to begin to be finding his groove. I think, I'm not sure when Mark Andrews will come back, if he's coming back at all, but he seemed to finding his groove in this offense as well. And I think to me, that's really been the key point about Lamar and what we've seen. Without Mark Andrews, who has been, his, his his safety blanket and his number one target for most, he's having to operate outside of that and start finding different ways as opposed to scrambling and maybe leaving the pocket a little bit early. He's taking that extra beat and looking for the pass and running smartly as opposed to just running just because I can. So I do respect that. On the Jacksonville side of things, in terms of what we watched, in terms of Lamar standing in the pocket, I said it before, I'll say it again. You know, the Trayvon Walker draft is looking worse and worse. And again, this is very early. This is only year two. But, you know, Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, he is not looking like a guy that can get to the quarterback on his own. We, I mean, he may be a number two. And what I mean by that is he may need another guy on the other side that can then free him up to do a lot of things that the expectation of when he came out to see if he can really reach that in terms of that. But as of right now, he's looking, he's been very underwhelming, but again, time will only tell. We got to give these guys a couple, maybe perhaps a couple more years than he pops, but we've got to see the flashes. We've got to see some things. We see the speed, we see the strength, but he's got to step up and be a guy on this team. 
you know, I, you know what? I'll, I'll pause there, Brad, because I think you have some things that you need to say about Jacksonville and what we saw in this game. Yeah, n- no doubt. Before I get to that, the last thing that I'm going to say on the Lamar side of things, because you talked about the stats, and I think it's a good point. I think Lamar not getting really any MVP consideration, I, I don't think it's right. I think he needs to be in the consideration because you got to go beyond the stats. You got to watch the games. You got to watch the tape in the way he's playing the quarterback position. Look, stats are great. They're important. I rely on them. You rely on them. I'm not trying to say stats don't matter. They do. But it's the decision-making in the offense, in the way he's playing the position, the evolution of this offense with him that has impressed me so much. But you're right. The Jaguars, let's get to them. The offense did not carry its weight in this game, and it starts with Trevor Lawrence. Look, he has a fatal flaw in his game. Lawrence now has 20 fumbles that he's lost in his career, two more in this game. That's the most of any player in the entire NFL since the 2021 season. Nobody has more than this guy. He's played 48 career games and has 55 turnovers, 35 picks, 20 fumbles lost. The guy's got a lot of talent, blah, blah, blah. We know. We know how talented he is. He's a super talented guy. He was the number one pick. He was tagged as a generational prospect for a reason. We know that. But he just hasn't developed into the player he was supposed to be at this point. I know I've been hitting this point the last few weeks, but I keep seeing it. And I'm tired of hearing excuses for this guy, Alex. This was the year he was supposed to take that big step forward, and I'm not seeing it at all. He And actually, Alex, you made this point when we were talking via text message, he might be going backwards. I'm not even sure he hasn't regressed a little bit this year. He has a Super Bowl winning coach who played quarterback in the NFL. He has playmakers to throw to. He has a stud running back. No more excuses for this guy. Is he garbage? Is he terrible? No, of course not. But he's not the elite player that we thought he all would be. Yeah, absolutely, Brad. I mean, I'm watching. I was expecting him to take some steps forward. The addition of Calvin Ridley, another year in the offense for Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram. I expected some things to happen for for him to show us that he was the guy that we thought he was. I had been, I don't want to say giving an excuse, but giving some context with that offensive line, how bad it is and how he's struggling. But when you are tagged as one of these guys, you have to step up and overcome some of the inconsistencies that are happening around you to show that you are a guy. He's a very solid quarterback. I would still think he's a top 12 quarterback, but he's right outside that top 10 for me in terms of what I'm seeing. The Dax, uh, if Kirk Cousins was healthy, I would actually have them ahead of him from this standpoint. But he's got – he's. Uh, <sighs> They really need to go in. He needs to put in the work. And I did hear, and I think, Brad, you actually texted to me. We did hear from, I believe, some from uh, around the media that he is not the hard worker and putting in the hours to become the quarterback of the talent level of the ilk that he was bantied about when he was getting drafted. So there may be some things there that Trevor needs to fix inside of Trevor before I even start to begin to start to talk about maybe coaching or maybe offensive line or pieces around him that may or may not be on point. So there may be some, you know, there may be some smoke in Jacksonville regarding this quarterback. And he has not 
signed his extension yet. So there'll be some interesting things to talk about, I think, in the offseason. It's a great point, Alex. I've heard some of those rumblings, of course, as well. And there was a quote from, I believe this was a couple years ago, where Trevor Lawrence said, quote, it's not like I need this for my life to be okay when he was talking about football. And that was according to an SI article where he was being interviewed. Look, there's nothing wrong with having a life outside of football, but those aren't the kind of comments you want to hear from a guy who's supposed to be a franchise quarterback. You want that guy to be dialed in where he is giving everything he's got. Football means everything to him because we know the truly great ones, the really great ones, they live, breathe, eat, and sleep football. They can't get enough. They put in the work because it means so much to them. And sometimes I wonder, I wonder if it means enough to Trevor Lawrence and if he's really put in that work to really maximize his talent. Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports. I personally love the Pick'em game. Just pick between two and five players to build a Pick'em entry. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Download the Underdog Fantasy app and sign up today with promo code PGF. That's promo code PGF to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. The official ticketing app of Pint Glass Football is now SeatGeek. I can't recommend them enough, guys. I've been using SeatGeek for years. You want to go to a game this season? SeatGeek is here to take the confusion out of buying tickets, making sure you get the best seats at the best prices. With SeatGeek, you'll never have to worry about overpaying for tickets again. How? They put a 0 to 10 score on each ticket, so you know you're getting a good deal. But here's the real game changer. You can get $20 off your first ticket purchase with the code PGFPOD. That's right, $20 off with code PGFPOD. This season, make every game day epic with SeatGeek. Download the SeatGeek app and remember to enter the code PGFPOD to grab your $20 discount. You know what's important when you're having a good time? Staying hydrated. And that's where Liquid IV comes in. The category winning hydration brand that's fueling your well-being. With just one stick of Liquid IV, you get two times faster hydration than water alone. Plus, five essential vitamins to keep you feeling your best. And let's not forget about the convenience factor. The packaging is perfect for on the go, whether you're tailgating or just hanging out on the couch. But what really sets Liquid IV apart is the amazing flavors. Personally, I'm all about the Concord Grape and Lemon Lime. And with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks, Liquid IV is made with premium ingredients to give you the hydration and nourishment you need. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code PGFP at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code PGFP at liquidiv.com. 
Zencaster is the ultimate web-based podcasting solution. It provides high-quality audio and video podcast production and hosting. With a full suite of professional tools, podcasters can seamlessly record, produce, and publish studio-quality content all from one dashboard. Zencaster's post-production process takes the headache out of audio production. Set the right podcast loudness and levels while reducing background noise with a click of a button. Coordinating all your guests to record in person is painful and tedious. Easily invite up to 11 participants per recording with one click. Go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use my code PGFP, and you'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same easy experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Every week, there's a player, a coach, a ref, somebody that does something in the NFL or college football that makes us say, WTF was that? Oh, Alex, this week we circled in on the same situation, the same spot in in a certain game that we just got done talking about here in this Jacksonville game at the end of the first half. What did you make of the decision making and, and what they were doing there at the end of the first half? You know, real quick, there's something in Madden called awareness, and it just talks about the awareness of a player in terms of critical situations that they're going to make a catch, what they're going to do in those situations. This was simply a lack of awareness and understanding what is going on during the game, time on the clock, what needs to be done. That I don't know what the play was called. It looks like that this was all on Trevor Lawrence, and he's a quarterback that should have had the awareness to understand that. I should take a shot into the end zone where if it's not there, I throw it out the back. I live to to have another play. Instead, he throws it to the side. It made no sense at all. I was befuddled. Alex, you're absolutely right. What were they doing there? Because Trevor Lawrence connects with Zay Jones on a deep route that got the ball inside the five-yard line. They're clearly in a position to score there with the clock running. Everyone is watching, expecting the Jaguars to rush to the line and spike the ball. I know I was. I know you were. And Jacksonville got to the line. Lawrence took the snap and connected with Parker Washington on a flat route well short of the goal line. And he was tackled in bounds, and the clock continues to run before the Jaguars had another opportunity to spike the ball. That was it. Just unbelievably poor clock management. You just you're you can't leave points on the board. You just can't. At the very least, you have to get a field goal in that situation. Absolutely terrible clock management and decision-making from Trevor Lawrence, a WTF moment all around. Week 16, we've got some big games that we're going to preview here. Let's start with the Thursday night football game, Rams-Saints. This is kind of a sneaky good Thursday night football game because the Rams are sitting there currently as the seventh seed in the NFC. The Saints are have the same record but are currently in the ninth spot, so in a lot of ways, this game has some serious playoff implications here late in the year. What are you going to be looking for in this matchup? What stands out to you when you look at these two teams? I mean, right here, I'm going obviously going with the Rams. I'm going to go with the coach here. I mean, it's I, there's some teams that have better plays, but I'm simply going with Sean McVay, who is 
a, you know, low-grade coach of the year selection, meaning that there's people that's just above him, but he just should be mentioned before the job that he's doing because no one expected the Rams to be in this situation. And yet, here they are. Here is Coach, the guy. You didn't know who Puka Nukua was. Kyle Williams was. Cooper Cup started off on the bench. Tutu Atwell was looking like a poor draft pick he was during the beginning of the year he started to come on and then you have Byron Young in terms of the defense as a rookie defenseman they hit on a lot of those four through six uh, draft picks that they had because they traded a lot of first second and thirds trying to get to win that Super Bowl so they're now you know in terms of their draft capital was depleted but they hit and this is where GMs, and I said it before, this is where GMs make their money. These late round picks are starting to hit and they're showing up and the Rams are 7-7 seven and seven, and they will be 8-7 and seven at the end of this game. Alex, I agree completely on McVay. No doubt about it. Needs to be mentioned in the discussion for Coach of the Year. The Rams season win total over under in the preseason was five. You want to talk about expectations. You want to talk about a team that admittedly, and I'm pointing the finger at myself here, we both thought could be in consideration for the number one overall pick. Here they are fighting for a playoff spot. Really impressive stuff. You're right about the roster. You're right about the draft picks. Some of those mid-round picks have really come through big for them. It's a roster mismatch. And I never thought I'd say that at the beginning of the year, but I like this roster a lot more. It's a coaching mismatch, big time. A quarterback mismatch on a short week. What I want to know is how do the Saints and that offense, how do they keep up with this Rams offense? I think the Rams are going to be able to move the ball in this game. Derek Carr has been so bad in the red zone, they're now taking him out when they get near the goal line for Taysom Hill, which has helped. I mean, I'll give them credit. It's actually helped the red zone offense, but I don't like this matchup for the Saints at all. Rams are playing like a hungry football team right now that is making a big push to get into the playoffs. I'm not impressed that the Saints beat an overmatched Giants team last week. I'll take the Rams to win this game, but I do think there's some value Saints plus four at home. Anytime I talk about all the time, you get over a field goal. I think there's some value there. We know the Saints are going to put up a good effort here to try to win this game. So maybe it's a closer game than people think, but I like the Rams here. Alex, what do you think from a betting standpoint? Rams as a four point favorite. Who do you like there? Yeah, I like the Rams to cover. I think Derek Carr is going to make some mistakes here. They're going to be able to lock up uh, Alvin Kamara for the most part, meaning he may get 100 yards, but it won't be a detrimental 100 yards. And I just think the coaching here is just, I think the Rams see some daylight and try and get in there and kind of stamp what has been an incredible season for them. Like you said, they were only supposed to win five games. But if, and from a betting standpoint, I'm taking the over. I'm laying the four and I'm taking the over for the Rams. Dallas Cowboys, Miami Dolphins. This is going to be a fun matchup here, Alex. Dallas is now a one and a half point underdog against Miami. Miami, look, they haven't beaten a good team all year. Dallas gets smashed by good teams. It's hard to get a read on this game, Alex. Now, Dak, you kind of mentioned it a minute ago. I think he gave away the MVP last Sunday with that performance. One of these teams has to step up and prove it in this spot. I do think Tyreek Hill and his status in this game is a big deal, Alex. He's supposed to play, it looks like. He's likely to play, it sounds like. But there is some question marks there. Dolphins are a different team when he's on the field. I mean, it's just a night and day difference. We know what kind of impact he can have. I like Dallas in the sense that they just got blown out and embarrassed, and it should be a bounce-back spot for them. 
knowing they really need this win. That has me thinking Dallas a little bit here, but the rush defense got exposed in that game versus the Bills, and McDaniel just got handed the blueprint. When you look at Miami and the speed on the outside, this is a tough matchup for Dallas. Plus, late-season games in that humid Miami heat, it's hard on teams, and we see it every single year late in the year. Miami is always a tough place to play, and once again, Dallas is awful on the road this season. Dolphins are 6-1 and one this season with the lone loss being the Monday Night Football meltdown to Tennessee. So they've been a really good home team. All six of the wins were by a touchdown or more. So not only are they winning at home, they've been impressive. All four of the Cowboys' losses have been on the road. I went back and forth on this game. This is a really tough one, but I think I like Miami in this spot if Tyreek Hill plays. I'm going to take Miami. I'm going to lay the one and a half points. Alex, what do you think? Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think Dak is still going to have a good game, whether they win or lose. But again, Mozart, league leading 18 18 rushing touchdowns, only 40 yards away from 1,000. I think he's gearing up. And on top of that, I think he and A-Chain are going to both have a big game. And I think this game, and I'm just talking about in terms of the game plan, is going to look more like that. 70 uh 70 point output they had against Denver not the points just in terms of a lot of those a lot of scoring and a lot of the damage was done on the ground I think we're going to see the same thing here against the Cowboys especially with the running lanes that that type of running style that excuse me not McVay that running style that Mike McDaniel can come up with with these running backs and A-Chain is due for a big game after coming back he hasn't had one yet and I think he's ready to explode so with that being said, I'm going to lay the one and a half. And, you know, I mentioned Devin A. Chain a few times here. Brad, I would take a prop bet on Devin A. Chain for any time touchdown and a total of 100 yards. Ravens, 49ers, NFC leading 49ers at 11 and 3. They're going to welcome in the AFC leading Baltimore Ravens, who are also 11 and 3. Look, this is going to be a fun one, Alex. This is one that I think we've been circling for a couple of weeks. It's at Levi Stadium. Could be potentially a Super Bowl preview here. The two top seeds right now in both conferences. Now, for the Niners, if you could poke holes in this team at all, because there's not many, I think it would probably be that run defense. So the question for me is, can Baltimore run the ball? Can they do it consistently? And the Ravens lost Keaton Mitchell, who was really playing some really good football. That's a big loss. I think coming into this game, he would have been a player to watch. The 49ers surrendered 234 rushing yards to Arizona last week, but Eric Armstead didn't play. Javon Hargrave didn't play. Those are big-time players up front versus the run, so it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back and how they're able to stop the run this week. That's something I'll be watching in this game. Key matchup to watch for me, Alex, is going to be safety Kyle Hamilton, Arguably, the Ravens' top defender covering George Kittle. I think that's going to be a fun matchup. Circle that one because on the other side, you mentioned the Ravens' tight end, Isaiah Likely. This is a guy who's really come on strong, a guy that I loved coming into the season. I had him as a sleeper this year. How do the 49ers decide to cover him? And I think that's something to watch for. The 49ers just allowed 10 catches for 102 yards to the Cardinals tight end, Trey McBride. So that's a position I'm circling on both sides is the tight end. This game opened 
at four and a half, uh, San Francisco, excuse me, as a four and a half point favorite. It's now been bumped up to five and a half. Really surprising to me that that line has already moved a full point. I think there's value here with the Ravens getting that many points. But when you see a line that's already at four and a half, which is a pretty big number for two really good teams, and then it gets bumped up to five, that tells me that the sharp money is coming in on San Francisco. I'm going to have to follow the money here, Alex. 49ers, and I think they cover versus the Ravens. I think this buzzsaw keeps rolling. Yeah, Brad, I think um, these these teams are very evenly matched in terms of if you look at points per game and then the and the defense and points allowed, very similar. They're all between, they're all within three, three spots of each other at minimum. But here I'm going to have to go with the 49ers as well, and I'm going to lay the five and a half points. I just don't think the Ravens have enough speed to hang with what the 49ers are going to be able to do. I think that... Kyle Shanahan is going to be able to take advantage of an Ellie Marlin Humphreys and that defensive secondary minus Kyle Hamilton. He is a stud. And I believe that they're going to be able to maneuver and take Christian McCaffrey and put him in the in the passing game and do some things with him and cause a lot of confusion in terms of defensive assignments on that side. I simply just don't think the Ravens have enough speed to do a lot of things that they want to do. And the strength of this 49er defense, which is the front seven, and then you take a look at Dre Greenlaw, Fred Warner, and those linebackers, they're going to be able to limit Lamar because they can match his speed sideline to sideline and cut off a lot of things that he is going to want to do. I think the Ravens are going to struggle and they're going to struggle big time because of their lack of speed on offense. And lastly, a prop bet on Brandon Ayuk to score a touchdown. The last few weeks has been the Debo Samuel show and Brandon Ayuk has kind of been sitting this one out, even though he had a big game against Seattle, but look for Brandon Ayuk to get into the end zone. I would take any time touchdown on him as well. Alex, I love it. Love playing those prop bets, of course. And guys, if you enjoy the podcast, do us a favor. Subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Brad Fowler. He's Alex Higdon. This is Pint Glass Football. We'll be back next week with a college football playoff preview. And, of course, breaking down the NFL as always. But, guys, have a happy holiday season. Be safe out there. Enjoy it, guys, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the Pint Glass Football Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Twitter at PGF Podcast.